Congressman, how are you, my friend? Good. Thanks very much. Oh, yeah. It's always good to talk to you. There's a lot to talk about right now. Just in the last couple of days, things obviously heating up with Russia and the Ukraine, kind of the big story that uh, I got to pick your brain on here. We have had a month of the Biden administration talking really tough. We're going to lay down all these sanctions. We're going to punish Russia if they end up invading. We're going to do all this. Just yesterday, we had the quote-unquote separatist independent regions have peacekeepers. And by peacekeepers, we mean a whole bunch of tanks and military soldiers walk into those areas. Uh, so playing the politics of not technically invading the Ukraine right now because they they claimed them to be independent regions, but just waltzing right into neutral zones and getting closer to the border. What the heck's going on here, and uh, why aren't we responding appropriately to this? Well, again, you know, the Russians uh, really have looked at the situation and the, and the total picture. You know, you have to go back to uh, Afghanistan and the weakness that uh, the president showed there that and the way he pulled our troops out and, uh, you know, the 13 Americans being killed, you know, the dozens being horribly wounded. You think about what the president did on the first day in office, killing the Keystone XL pipeline, 840,000 barrels of oil from Canada that would come into the United States. You look at what the president did, you know, talking about taking the sanctions off Nord Stream 2. Then he turns around, and what's he do? He kills as much American energy production as he possibly can on federal lands. So, and then, and then when gas prices start going up, what's he do? He says, oh, Russia, would you do, do us a favor and increase oil production to help us out here? And, uh, you know, when the Russians look at this, all they see is weakness. Yeah. And uh, so when you think about what's happened, and especially in the last uh, 24 to 36 hours, where the Russians, as you said, have quote-unquote entered into independent region. No, that, that's, the, that's Ukraine. That's not an independent region of those two areas. Yeah. There's been fighting going on there that's been backed by the Russians for uh, a good number of years. When I was in, in Ukraine about six years ago, fighting was going on then. And this is this is something the Russians have been pushing. And, uh, you know, the rest of the world is watching. And when you think about what uh, communist China could do with Taiwan, you think what the Iranians could do about getting a bomb, what they want to get, and you think about the North Koreans. And so, the you know, the, all the bad guys out there are watching, and they're not seeing much leadership. No, they're not seeing a whole lot of leadership right now. Uh, and as you mentioned, let's go back to uh, where kind of all this started, uh, back during the Trump administration with a pipeline, uh, from what I had heard, going into Ukraine that was stopped by President uh, Trump and was rerouted elsewhere. And then once Biden got into office, it was uh, reversed and was put back into Ukraine. I know that the Bidens have a lot of ties with Russia, a lot of ties with Ukraine from Hunter Biden and some of the money coming from there with the ties that uh, that he had with Russia itself. Was this kind of preordained to happen once that pipeline started rerouting back into Ukraine? I mean, obviously, Vladimir Putin didn't do anything the last four years under the Trump administration. So why now, less than a year into the Biden administration? Well, again, the Russians have been playing a long game on this for for years. They've been in Western Europe uh, uh, paying these quote-unquote groups to protest against uh, those countries from uh, exploring for and bringing up their own oil and natural gas, that would make them more dependent on Russia. And, uh, you know, we've seen uh, uh, fights that go on in Europe about, no, we don't want a pipeline coming in from uh, different parts where we might be able to get U.S. Uh, gas into the into the uh, continent. So, you know, the Russians have, have made so much of Europe, you know, 35 40% dependent on them. 
And, uh, you know, when the United States, you know, just a couple of years ago, and look at our gas prices gone up 50% in the last year under the Biden administration. All you have to do is look what we were doing under the Republicans when we held Congress and President Trump was in office, that, hey, we were we were able to outproduce Russia and Saudi Arabia oil production in any given day and became the number one natural gas producer in the world. But now we see that all reversed by this administration. Yeah. And uh, so they just perceive this weakness. And all of a sudden now, uh, you know, we're, Americans are going to see inflation Sky, was they think it's bad now, wait till the end of this year and wait till the whole country's paying over four dollars a gallon for gasoline and other parts will be paying five dollars. Yeah. And uh, it's going to put the screeching halt on an economy that uh, when uh, President Trump left office and the as we in the Republican Party, uh, where we get some of the uh, changes done, we're seeing them all reverse in such a short period of time. I'm glad you mentioned the inflation because I did want to talk about that because right now we're seeing 7, 7.5% inflation year over year for just the beginning of the year. And like you said, we're not anticipating inflation to go down any time for the next year or two, which is really troubling to me. But uh, this is only going to inflate it. Plus, we have the supply chain issue that they're blaming on COVID. But I find ironic, again, because it, we didn't see it until two years into the COVID pandemic. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Uh, plus, we see the uh, the Freedom Convoy that could be interrupting things as well. I'm I mean, we're really in the perfect storm for some really high inflation to continue to grow over the next year. Well, and again, you know, I look at the state of Ohio, 82.5% of everything that comes to Ohio is truck. And so, you know, if we see, you know, diesel prices increase even more, that's going to put, you know, more uh, cost on everything that uh, people buy here in the state of Ohio. You know, I don't care if it's from uh, your glass of milk to uh, a carton of eggs, to, you know, chicken, you name it. So when you think about those prices, but then it's overall with everything else. And we had a 25% increase just in the last year, just on utility costs for Americans. Mm-hmm. And when you think about where we're going to be with more, you know, when prices keep going up. And again, uh, we, this, this is all preventable. This is a horrible thing about this. This is all preventable. But this administration uh, played to the hand of the Green New Deal in the far left and the, you know, the socialists out there. And uh, all those people, and all of a sudden now they're saying, oh, it's, it's COVID's fault. Well, wait a minute. Uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi is blaming uh, inflation on we have too many people working. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, folks, no, you don't quite understand. We want we, The more people work, the more things you can produce, which means you have more product out there. The, you know, the, the simple idea about inflation is it's too many dollars chasing too few goods at that here. But, you know, last year with the Democrats, too, on their own without a Republican vote, they passed almost a $2 trillion, quote-unquote, COVID bill. That uh, now they say, well, we don't have money for COVID. And uh, less than 10% of that was actually going to COVID. But now they can't account for where the money went. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's an ongoing issue there. Uh, let's real quickly, kind of as we wrap up the Russia discussion here, uh, the sanctions that the Biden administration put in place for the neutral, quote unquote, regions yesterday. What is it going to take? As he's talking tough and he's going to, you know, hold Vladimir Putin accountable. At what point is he actually going to say, fine, we're going to put all the harsh sanctions onto the entire country of Russia as the United Kingdom came out yesterday afternoon and did as well? Well, and again, when you when you think about the two the two regions that the Russians have now occupied, and that's what I'm saying, they've occupied a, a sovereign country uh, area, yeah. 
that, uh, you know, when you say, oh, we're just going to hit those areas, well, those are just, there's not a lot there to hit. <laughs> and what you want to, when you want to do is you want to go after Russia. Yeah. And again, when you think about Russia and where they get their, you know, their dollars or their rubles come from where? It comes from oil and natural gas production. Mm. So, you know, and one of the things is we can't be out there buying Russian fuel. And, you know, like this administration wanted to see happen, which is just crazy. Yeah. So if you want to if you want to go after the Russians, you go after the, the really the only area that they can get uh, money in, and that's from oil and natural gas production. Sure. And then you look at their banks and everything else that you can start hitting. But uh, you know if all you're going to do is to say, oh, we're just going to do you know around the edges, that's not going to stop Russia because again, Putin is a dictator, and he you know he got a rubber stamp from uh, you know their their uh, legislature, if you might even call it that. That uh, saying, oh yeah, whatever you do, fine. Yeah, no, exactly. And it really does show, as you mentioned, it shows really the lack of leadership and the weakness that we have in this country, which is really concerning for a dictator that that preys upon weakness because he senses it here, and uh, it's pretty evident. Is there something that we could learn from Putin, even though he's a crazy communist wacko? Uh, during this whole conversation, and we've threatened sanctions, he's come out and made the comment of, well, that just means that we're going to be a little bit more independent, we're going to be a little bit more isolationist, we're going to uh, be a little bit more uh, financially and economically independent, so Whatever sanctions you put on us, it's not going to matter. It's not going to hit us as hard. Could we learn a lesson from that as America to where we could potentially be focusing on the same thing? So if, you know, China starts coming back at us with all the debt that they buy up from us, with all the other nations that we work on with this globalist expansion that we have, that maybe we should start working on being a little bit more self-sustaining and independent so we're not relying on, you know, imports coming in from all over the world just to try and keep us going. Well, two things you just mentioned. Number one, if you think about the supply chain, we shouldn't be uh, reliant on China uh, the way we are. And to give you an example, I serve on the Energy and Commerce Committee. You know, we had to do what they call a rip and replace on Huawei. You know, all of a sudden, all this telecommunications equipment was being installed. And it wasn't trusted. Right. You know, so it's like we spent billions to get rid of it then. And uh, what we have to have, you know, we have to be able to produce our, you know, our own chips in this country for everything. You know, we see, you know, auto production, truck production slowing down or stopping because we can't produce enough uh, chips. You think about all, you think about uh, everything from uh, your uh, uh, dryers and your washing machines and your dishwasher, everything now yeah. has chips in them. And so we have to make sure that we're doing that here. And then, and then so, you know, you, you shorten that supply chain up to make sure it's trusted because, again, that's the problem you run into. How do you know this stuff's not embedded with uh, stuff that you don't want in it? And the second part of it is what you bring about debt. I look at this all the time. Uh, years ago, when I served on the budget committee, I was very concerned about two things. You know, how much interest we're going to be paying on the national debt, which could be a trillion dollars in less than 10, in 10 years. And I want somebody to explain to me how we can pay a trillion dollars a year just to pay interest on the debt. And the second part of it is that if you can't sleep at night, Google this one. U.S. debt held by foreign countries. And it's a U.S. Treasury site that you can bring up. 12, a 12-month spreadsheet, it goes back two months, but we owe China, China well over a trillion dollars. We owe foreign creditors $7 trillion. Mm. 
That's scary. Uh, that's that's detrimental. Now, you sit on, we're talking with, by the way, Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th Congressional District of Ohio. You sit on the Communications and Technology Committee. Uh, technologically, what does this mean with this controversy with Russia right now? Obviously, they are a powerhouse when it comes to technology with hackers. We have to deal with that all the time. They've talked about potential hacking uh, assaults onto Ukraine. But is that something we need to be concerned about here in the U.S. as well as tensions kind of continue to rise? Well, we saw last year the Colonial Pipeline. That was Russia. Hmm. You know, when you can affect 40% of the uh, oil going up into a region of the United States, and that was Russia doing it. They, you know, we're being attacked by Russia, Communist China, uh, Iran, and North Korea every day. And so the Russians keep uh, looking for and probing for a weakness. And, uh, you know, once they find those things, they, they're going to go after them. And so, you know, there will probably be a massive cyber attack against Ukraine uh, if there's, before the invasion starts so they can try to knock out, you know, everything from their communication systems to their uh, defense systems and everything, that they'll, they'll, there's going to be a massive attack. And, but, you know, they're probing us all the time. So, you know, it's from our energy, our water, you name it. It's everything, our electrical grid. So if, if they can get in there and do us harm, they're going to do it. And so the United States has to be prepared to do it right back at them. And so it's almost like, you know, years back when we had a mutual assured destruction on the nuclear front, we got to have something out there to let them know, hey, you attack us, we're going to hit you so hard, we'll shut you down. <laughs> and But, uh, you know, you don't hear much from the administration uh, when you're on the, the cyber side, and we deal with this all the time. And cybersecurity is one of the major things we have to be concerned with in this country because all of a sudden when everything is shutting down, you know, you know, it's just like all these hacks. Why, why do you think countries are trying to get into our medical systems? You know, what do they want to know about us? You know, they take millions of Americans' medical records. What do they do with this? So, you know, all these things you have to really, you know, start connecting dots. But uh, it's, it's scary out there what's going on, especially on the cyber side. Yeah, that is very true, and I'm so glad you guys are on top of it because that is an industry I know nothing about, and it's scary to think about that uh, they could get into our system so easily and shut down. I mean, anything like you mentioned from you know the pipelines to just uh, natural gas to oil to whatever, I mean, it could be uh, a very devastating thing for us here in the U.S., which speaking of energy, I mean, you're also on the Energy Committee. I mean, we have the cold weather that's kind of slowly come in. We had 70-degree weather yesterday. Today it's like negative 2 outside this morning, so that's kind of uh, enjoyable here in the state of Kansas where I'm at, but uh, at the same time with the cold weather, uh, putting strains on our electric grid right now, I know last year when we had that negative 20 degree uh, stint across the country that a lot of the electrical grid was so overwhelmed it was uh, we had to see blackouts and brownouts and, and uh, uh, some issues that happened there. Are we sustainable right now or is the Green New Deal that they're pushing putting more strain on this because by golly we got to charge our electric cars? Well, there's two, there's two points. Number, you know, right off the bat, number one, uh, you know, our, our electrical grid has to be updated and made secure. And I've worked with le legislation with another member that's signed in the law now to, you know, making sure that we have a public part or private ship out there on getting the grid updated. I also have legislation signed in the law now, making uh, on cyber sense, making sure that, you know, different types of uh, large equipment that you put in the box system. It's been tested, and you know that you can put it in there that it's not going to be hacked. But if you if you keep taking uh, uh, you know different power plants offline, you're going to be in trouble. And you know if you want uh, totally clean.
clean, carbon-free uh, energy. It's called nuclear. And uh, I've got several bills out there on the nuclear side. You know, the other thing we've got is, hey, should we be relying on Russia for uranium? I mean, this is. This, I mean, you start thinking this all through. Wait, these people are not our friends. Now, the Russian people could be, but not 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 the government. And uh, when you start thinking that we're relying on all these things, you think about rare earth minerals from China, ninety five percent. And now the administration say, oh, we we need to do something about that. Well, if you're not going to go out and mine it in this country, you might as well forget it. But, uh, you know, you can't have uh, the electric vehicles they want without all of these different minerals. And so, you, you know, again, we got to do it here. And I'm one of these ones that believe this. Uh, the federal government should not tell you what you're going to drive. Let the American people make that decision. If you want to drive an electric car, good for you. But uh, there, there's one little problem. They talk about everything being electric. You've got to do something with updating the grid. You've got to make sure that you have the power to put across those lines. You know, and by the way, how are you going to charge them? So, you know, are we going to say that the federal government's going to go into the charging business and put private companies out of business? So, you know, you look across all of these things, and uh, every every it just seems like everything this administration touches goes uh, goes you know sour. Yeah. It's awful. Well, and it's a continuation of what we saw during the Obama administration. I saw a commercial for a for a car company a couple of days ago, which I kind of laughed at because they said, you know, you you wanted electric vehicles, so we got an electric vehicle for you, and they're trying to they're trying to push these electric vehicles. I don't remember us ever asking for electric vehicles. I remember uh, back in the day, the Obama administration put the mandate down to the auto industry saying that you had to start making electric vehicles by a certain year and that we're getting close to that timeline where they wanted all these electric vehicles. So now the government forced it onto the market. So now the market's trying to make it appealing to the consumer. But I don't think it's that popular of a thing right now, at least. Well, and again, people have to figure this one out. Uh Look at the cost, overall cost of an electric vehicle right now. And, you know, when, there's, when the government's out there saying, oh, we're going to give you a $12,000 credit, you know, to buy one of these things. Well, who's paying for Oh, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> the taxpayer is going to pay for this thing. And so, you know, when you, when you think about uh, on an electric vehicle, though, again, it's, it's the cost. You know, you've got all these different things. But, you know, I, I hear these statements in committees sometimes where they're saying, oh, it's going to be about a 2% increase in energy that we're going to need. Really? How many cars are on the road and trucks in the United States that uh, we're going to have to uh, charge? And I always ask people this question. If you're driving on a family vacation and you pull into it, like you're on the Ohio Turnpike, and there's not a lot of places you can get off there except for different uh, tow, tow uh, roads, that uh, are you going to sit there for 30, 40, 50 minutes to charge your car? And, oh, by the way, you might have 25, 50, 60 cars in front of you. Yeah. Then what are you going to do? Yeah, it's going to just come. Yeah. Well, it's a disaster, and it's funny to watch because I, I think it's a little silly, but that's unfortunately the way we're going, and they're just ramming it down our throats and saying, this is what you wanted, and I, I find that comical. Last couple of questions. I know you're busy here as we kind of wrap up here, but Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th District of Ohio, let's talk about the supply chain. Let's talk about the economy for a second. We had the Freedom Convoy up in Canada. That's mostly wrapped up now after the crazy government felt like just you know towing all of the trucks and arresting all of the truckers that I find quite disturbing, honestly. But now we're seeing a potential freedom convoy here in the U.S. starting in the next week or so with truckers from California working their way to Washington, D.C., uh, which I wholeheartedly support 110%. Uh, what do you think it's going to do to the supply chain that's already strained right now? Will we see, do you think, a little of a, a backlog on there? Do you think it's going to make a point? And uh, what do you think is going to come out of this? 
Well, and again, when you think about the uh, amount of goods that are trucked in this country, and especially I mentioned a little bit earlier, the 82.5% of everything that comes into Ohio is trucked. Uh, to give you another example, uh, there's what they call a Line 5, and that's a uh, a, a line that goes from uh, uh, Canada through the upper peninsula of, peninsula of Michigan to the lower peninsula to refineries in Ohio, about a $5 billion economic impact. If if they take that line offline, that's what the governor of Michigan wants to do. And I've written a letter to the president with some others saying we can't do that. we got to keep that line on. You'd have to have 2,200 trucks a day just to haul it. Mm. That's impossible. And so what, we, what we're seeing out there, and I've talked to a lot of truck uh, uh, companies out there, number one, we, we, we're in a massive trucker driver shortage. And then the other problem is, if you want to go out and buy a new truck today, good luck. There are no trucks to buy. So, you know, we've got all these different issues. And so, yeah, you could have uh, an impact on the supply chain because there's just not people out there to get things uh, where we need it. And, you know, just look at the uh, things being delivered right now. We know that there's been a, a slowdown because it's just they don't have the uh, the people there to do it. And so when, you know, the when the other side blame about inflation, folks, you know, when you think about you have maybe eight and a half million people, quote unquote, unemployed in the country, you have over 10 plus million jobs open. That means we've got more, a million plus jobs that we don't have people to fill. Sure. So we've got we've got a uh, an issue in this country that the other side just, you know, it's always it's always somebody else's fault. <laughs> and for the, the shortest way to find out where the fault lies is just walk in and look at a mirror. Yeah, well, that's very true to them, though. That's uh, the media, the Democrats, the Biden administration. It's always COVID. It's always the evil Republicans and Donald Trump and, you know, everybody else except for them, uh, which I find, again, pretty ironic. Because like you said earlier, is that we're just repeating the Jimmy Carter era right now. Last question before we let you go. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead with that. Well, you know, just, you know, especially on the COVID end, because, you know, I, I had somebody ask me just uh, in the last 24 hours about going to Washington. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a travesty that Speaker Pelosi keeps the House like we're under a massive COVID problem. Still? When the city of Washington is going to take off their mask mandates and they're going to no more, you have to show a card to go into a restaurant. But the Speaker makes like it's, it's, it, we, we've got this uh, dilemma. And it's, it's like, folks, I thought you were the ones that said follow the science. And, uh, no, it's, it's whatever they want to do. And uh, the American people are saying, yeah, well, what is the science out there? And uh, we're seeing that, uh, especially for, you know, schools, uh, we, want, we need our kids back in school because uh, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, they're learning. You know, their test scores went down in the year that they had to do with things. How do you teach a kindergarten uh, student on a computer? Any, you know, right off the bat, they get the ins class. So, you know, we got to get we got to get this country open. We got to keep it moving. And uh, but that's you know a lot of you know. And you look across the country, and there's some real strains out there with that another uh, shot across the bow in California and San Francisco with the school board out there. Yeah. If 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 they if Virginia wasn't a wake up call for the for the Democrats, those three school board members getting kicked off uh, the, probably the probably the most liberal school board in the United States by parents, I think the Democrats are, are better start waking up. they got to start waking up, and I think uh, they're realizing that going into midterm elections. I didn't realize they were still having COVID protocol for you guys in, in the House and in, the, in Congress there. What well, would be yeah. the purpose of that, just to try and restrain what you guys are able to do? 
Well, uh, this, this, you know, it's again, it's the speaker. Uh, the speaker's got total control, and uh, you know, you, you know, we have this imaginary line. You're walking over to the Senate to the Capitol Rotunda. We have the same uh, attending physician giving everybody the same information. You go over there. There's no mask mandate. They have they have limited tours. You can get through with people. Our side, we're still locked down. Wow. Unbelievable. That's well, that's the Democrats for you. They have no clue what the heck they're doing. Last question before we let you go. But the message, yeah. your message to uh, voters right now or just the everyday worker, the average constituent uh, battling the inflation, battling the issues right now, battling the high costs of uh, going to the gas pump or going and getting food. What is the recommendation right now? Just hang tight and make sure that we do good in the midterm elections to try and stock up. I mean, uh, get it now before it's even more expensive. What, what do we say to people right now? Well, number one, you know, we're five seats uh, short from taking back the House. And some people say, oh, that shouldn't be a problem. But, you know, you look around the country in redistricting, and you look at New York, that uh, how they've done things in redistricting against Republicans up there. We're losing seats. We're losing seats in Illinois. We could lose seats in Ohio, Republican seats, that is. Look what happened in California. Every time one of those seats we lose, that means we've got to pick up another seat someplace else. And uh, so people, you know, people have got to really uh, stay engaged, you know, and I always tell folks, don't, don't expect somebody else to do it for you. you we've got to do it ourselves. And, you know, you got to, everyone needs to always remember that uh, every day is a good day, but they've got to make sure, that, you know, what, what have they done to the country? And sometimes I say, well, it's not my responsibility. No, it's everyone's responsibility because it's like, you know, it's just like what Benjamin Franklin told Mrs. Powell. The day he left the convention, when she asked him in 1787, what have you given us, a republic or a monarchy? And he told Mrs. Powell on, in Philadelphia that day, a republic if you can keep it. If you can he keep wasn't it. talking to her. He was talking to us. Amen to that. It's the ongoing battle, and that's what we're fighting each and every day. And I, I have optimism going into the midterm election. It's just trying to ride out until that time. It's Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th Congressional District of Ohio. It's always great to talk to you, my friend. I know that you're bouncing back and forth between D.C. and the district there, so I'm glad that you're out of the uh, Washington, D.C. swamp for a little bit. But keep up the fight, my friend. We always love chatting with you. Well, thank you very much. Have a great day.